I solemnly swear that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Yeah, hi guys, Ron here from the Truth Without Addiction. Uh, just a quick chat about the fears of um, trying to get clean when you first realise that you have a problem with it. Drugs, alcohol, sex, doesn't matter what it is, food, gambling, it's irrelevant. It's all, it's all the same stuff, you know, it's just a symptom of our disease of addiction. And um, as I said, I always call it a disease because I always felt uncomfortable within myself. So, yeah, so taking back, I remember when I first found, realised that, you know, once I stopped using the drug of, my drug of choice, um, my life would spiral out of control. You know, and uh, for me, my drug of choice was heroin. And I remember the withdrawals from heroin were nasty. They were, they were terrible, you know, the physical withdrawals from heroin were nasty. And, uh, you know, the crocodile legs, the cramps, the, sh the diarrhea, the vomiting, the sweating, you know, the not being able to sleep, the, the rolling around in bed, you know. I, I remember detoxing, the first time I ever detoxed in prison, uh, I think it was around about 1976 or something, and we had no understanding about addiction. We had no understanding of um, the disease. We had no understanding of recovery. Um, there was no Narcotics Anonymous program around at that stage, as we know it today. Um, AA, you weren't really welcome at AA because you're a drug addict and um, you know, with, with drug addiction, we come a lot of crime. <clears throat> so, you know, we weren't really welcome there. And um, I remember ending up in jail and uh, I was so sick, I was just violently ill. You know, I'd been using a lot of drugs, my friends were importing drugs. Oh man, I just, I remember kicking the door and screaming and you know, yelling to the screws, you know, fuck it, I need to see a doctor, I need to see a doctor, you know? And the screws coming to the other side of the door and saying, shut up, you junkie, why don't you just lay down and die, you junkie? And then the nurse came up and seen me, she said, what's wrong with you? I told her, I'm heroin withdrawal. She said, we don't help drug addicts here, and she walked away. And then still banging and screaming, you know, because I was a young mug and the screws threatening to bash me, you know, and I was egging them on, hoping they would bash me. I was hoping they'd knock me out. I was hoping they'd, they'd knock me unconscious because if they knocked me unconscious, at least then, well, you know, I wouldn't be withdrawing. That's the way, that was my, my crazy brain. And um, then a few of the crims downstairs were yelling, you know, shut up, you have blood, you know. And, but I was really, really sick. And I, had, and I had no understanding or knowledge or information about drug addiction. Cut a long story short, a few years later, I ended up in a detoxification unit um, called St. John and God at Richmond, because I was on the run from the cops again. And I went there with a whole handful of um, fiseptone tablets, which are methadone, <coughs> some marijuana. And it was a lovely place on the, on the up at Richmond, or, you know, on the river. And it was, it was beautiful, it was lovely, but you know, I didn't get clean there. And an old guy took me to an AA meeting and I listened to these old people share and talk about, you know, their alcohol problem and that, you know, and I thought, oh my God, you know, I hope I never end up like them. The old guy took me to the Corsicos ward where they had, you know, wet brain and, you know, I looked at it and I thought, that'll never happen to me, you know, like I was different, <clears throat> you know, I was only using heroin. So, uh, you know, it's funny how we judge it. And yeah, so fast forward to 1981, I was in prison. A friend of mine wrote me a letter and said, mate, you need to do something about you. <clears throat> about your drug problem. And I was like, the only time I have a problem is when I run out of drugs, you know, I don't have a drug problem. I have a problem that I can't have enough drugs and that they always run out, no matter how much we could get, you know, eventually we'd run out. 
And anyway, but there was girls at this rehab, so I went to this rehab. And I just remember how scary it was, you know, to, to go into a, a, a property, it was down in Goulburn, there was 120 residents. Now, I just remember walking in there, in this big dining room, <clears throat> you'd come up on a bus and they called it the Rovers. And you know, some guy would drive down from Goulburn and they'd pick you up at, at Mittagong um, and they'd meet halfway and blah, blah, blah. You know, you'd end up there and I walked in this giant hall and there's 120 addicts in there, all of them were clean. And they made me sit down at this particular table. I just remember feeling so uncomfortable and so insecure and just so not knowing what was going on. Anyway, I stayed there for 10 months and I left there and I got out of that rehab. I got the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. I didn't understand anything about the 12 steps. I didn't care about anything else. Um, I, I, you know, it was like, to me, it was like doing like another jail sentence. And I went out and relapsed. I went back to jail for a short period of time. It wasn't a long time. It was only about eight, 10 months or something like that. It was only a really short sentence. Um, and I remember getting out of jail and going straight back to active addiction and the rehab um, came looking for me to take me back to the rehab, you know. And the fear I used to have to go to rehabs, the fear I used to have to go to detox was incredible, you know, like I'd never detoxed anywhere but prison. Right up until my last relapse in 1986 when I got clean last time, uh, it was the first time I ever detoxed um, in a, in a, in a, outside, of the, outside of the prison walls. The only time I would ever detox would be under castration and, you know, in a cell. So I guess what I'm trying to talk about here is the fear. You know, anybody that's listening to this podcast, think about... You, you know, your life's become unmanageable, you know, your addictions have got you, you know, losing money, losing time, losing trust, losing faith, losing love, um, you know, losing yourself is the first one we lost. Um, and we lose hope and we lose faith, faith in anything, faith in ourselves, which is a really horrible thing when you think about it, that we become a faithless, hopeless human being whose only desire and ambition is to get stoned or to gamble or to eat just something to change the way we feel you know and I remember the fear the fear of the unknown the fear of um going into a detox center somewhere you know I'd, I'd go to a detox and it only last six hours and I'd leave I had so much fear and you know I thought I was this tough guy and I thought that I had all this this information about you know street jail bullshit it was just incredible you know like you know, and I know some of you people out there, you know, you, don't, you haven't been to jail and you, you know, you haven't committed a crime and all that sort of stuff. It's got nothing to do with it. You've got this fear of judgment. Fear if you tell people, oh, look, I'm a drug addict or whatever it is, um, I need help. You feel like you're going to be judged. And you also have fear of loss. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your relationship. You're going to lose your, your family's respect and everything else, you know, like, and the biggest fear that I think I had when I was using was my fear of my future. Because I had no future, I had no goals. Now every day I'd say, this is it, this is it, no more. I've had a gut full of this, I'm not using any more. And I really meant it, you know, I honestly meant it when I said it, you know. It was countless times I threw syringes on top of shop awnings the next morning to climb back up a pile and climb on top of the awning to get the syringe back. Now there's numerous times I've done that, you know, thrown the paraphernalia away that I need, that I used that I used to use with and, and, and gone and got more, you know? So 
know, and I, that, in 1977 when I went to that AA meeting, the old guy said to me, the road to hell is full of good intentions and you're full of it. And I didn't understand what he meant. And I didn't, you know. So I know exactly what he meant, you know. This is a program of action. The first action you have to take is you have to seek help. You have to seek help from somebody who's been down that road, somebody who's who's ridden on that bike. You know, you can't see someone to ride a bike if you don't know how to ride a bike. I can read all I want about riding bikes, but you know, it's not gonna make me ride a bike. You know, I can read about being a brain surgeon. We come down and lay on the bench and let me cut your head open. Because, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that we have people in treatment that are treating people that have no information. They have no living skills. They have a lot of philosophical bullshit that they talk about, oh yeah, I know how you feel. No, you don't, you don't know how I feel. I empathize with you, no you don't. Tell me how you felt when you were vomiting green bile, when you were so shaky that you couldn't even wipe your backside. You know what I mean? Or when you'd lost control of your bowels, you know? Like, you don't know how I feel. You know, it's, it's a big difference between empathy and you know, knowledge. You know, and the knowledge I have is that, you know, if you put down drugs one day at a time, you're going to need help. You can't do it on your own. If you could do it on your own, you would have done it by now. How many times have you told yourself, this is it, tomorrow I'm not going to use to wake up and do exactly the same thing over and over and over again? It becomes comes to a point where you don't even believe yourself. You say, it, you know, in the back of your mind, you think, yeah, bullshit, you know. You're just a liar and a thief and a cheat. And the biggest person that we ever lied to was ourselves. This disease's greatest asset is the, den is the, is the denial. You know, it wasn't as bad as what, you know, we have a disease of forgetfulness too. If we get clean for a little while, we start thinking, no, it wasn't that bad. I can just have one. You've never been able to have one. Tell me once when you've had one and put it down for a long period of time, you haven't. You might've had one and put it down for one day and then the next day you had four. The next week you had 400. You know, let's be honest with ourselves, you know. We have no control over our thinking once we put a chemical in our body. We cannot guarantee our behavior once we put a chemical in our body. Or punting, or eating, don't think there's any difference, you know. You know, it's no more morally good or bad, you know, whether you're a punter or you're a heroin addict. You know, it's the same thing. You're still destroying your life, you're destroying your self-worth, you're destroying your family, and you're destroying that thing called love, you know. And I believe recovery is all about love. Finding a way to love yourself so that then you can Stop abusing yourself. You know, all these things that I talk about in addiction are forms of self-abuse. Self I remember looking down on people who used to, you know, slash up and cut themselves and harm themselves and that in prisons and things like that. And I think, why would you do that? Well, I was trying to jam a homemade syringe into my vein, injecting some poison. I didn't even really know what it was, but I was trying to change the way I felt, you know. And they were doing the same thing to change the way they feel, you know. So I don't, you know... I don't judge anybody. I, I don't believe in judgment. I, there is no such thing as judgment, you know. The only thing I, you know, the only thing I really get up my goat about is people, people who are misinformed and not educated giving out information. You know, I have a client um, <clears throat> who's a drug addict, <clears throat> of course, and um, he's on medication through pain medication. Now, you know, between him and his, doc, his doctor, him, himself and myself, have worked out a plan to try to keep him, you know, pain free. And, you know, I had this, you know, telephone conversation with the doctor about taking off oral medication, putting him on patches so that he can't abuse it, blah, blah, blah. You know, four weeks later, the, the client speaks to him and goes, oh, the doctor says I should be put on 
a heavier patch, you know, a bigger dose. I said, mate, you're manipulating the doctor again. He's in early recovery. And he started smiling. He goes, you know, I guess I am. You know, the doctor's clueless. She, you know, he has, a, he has a, a drug problem. You know, he has, he's, an, he's an addict. He has, an, has a problem with trying to change the way he feels through chemicals. And here she's saying, okay, I'll prescribe you more, more drugs. Like, this is how he got into this position. This kid's a, <clears throat> a drug addict because of pain. And now he abuses his pain meds, you know? Like, it frustrates the guts out of me that, you know, the health profession is so ignorant when it comes to addiction. They still think it's a moral issue. I'm sure they do. They don't, they're not recognising it as a, as a mental health issue. Drug addiction is a mental health issue. We have to start changing the way we think and the way we talk to each other. And the way we talk to ourselves, that's the biggest one. You know, how many people, <clears throat> you know, say something negative to their brain and just believe it, you know? I don't allow that to happen. I change it straight away, immediately. If I, if I say something that's negative, I rewind it and replay it. And they go, no, that's not how it was. You know, if I leave the keys on the bench and I walk outside the door and I think, oh, you idiot, you've left the keys in the car upstairs, I rewind and go, no, I'm a human being. I've got a lot on my mind. I forgot it. Big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal. You know, like, come on, you know, stop abusing yourself. You know, like, life's about enjoying, about loving, about giving and forgiving. And being a human being, not a human taking. You know, like, when I was in active addiction, I was just a human taking. And when I don't work a loving program of understanding, forgiveness and faith, I'm still, I can still be a human taking. So I'm really aware that, you know, I have a daily reprieve from this rotten drug addiction and <clears throat> my addictive mind that can teach me and treat me in ways that no other person would be able to speak to me. I wouldn't let anybody on this earth talk to me the way my brain has spoke to me over the years. But, you know, today I have faith. You know, I can make plans for the future and know that I'm going to stick with them. I've never been able to do that. Today I can tell my wife I love her and tell her from my heart, not from my head. Today I can show her I love her by my actions and my inactions. You know, if I don't react badly to something, that's a really good thing. If I tell you I'm going to do something, 99.9% of the time, I'll do it. And if I can't do it, I'll ring you and tell you I can't do it, and I'll tell you why. Just out of respect, you know. I live by eight demands. Openness. You know, to be open with my thoughts and my feelings. To state where I stand and not stand my ground, you know. Acceptance. To accept that other people can see me better than I can see myself. If one person tells me I have a bad attitude, I'll have a look at it. If two people tell me, I'll have a real good look at it. If three people tell me, I've got a bad attitude, you know. It's that simple. It really is that simple. You know? Reliability. If I say I'm going to do something, do it. If I say I'm not going to do it, don't do it. If I say I'm going to be there at three, I'm there. I'm there ten to three. You know, I'm 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 not late. I'm never late. You know. Congruence. What I say is what I do. I'm not going to ask you to clean the toilets if I'm not prepared to clean the toilets. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm, I'm thorough. You know, if I'm going to clean the room, I'm going to start at the fan and clean all the way down to the floor, and then I'm going to sweep the floor last. You know, and I'm consistent. I start my day at five mile an hour. I finish my day five mile an hour. No good starting at 100 mile an hour and getting three parts of the way through the day and collapsing, you know what I mean? And respect for me, respect has to be earned. It is such a hard thing to earn and such an easy thing to lose, you know? So I respect. I respect my recovery. I respect what you people have got to say. Even if I don't know you and you want to criticise me, that's fine. It's none of my business what you think about me. What I think about me is the only thing that really matters at the end of the day. And my actions and reactions and the truth is what I live by, you know? 
And the last one is honesty. Be honest with my thoughts and my feelings. You know, one thing they'll say about me when, I, when they bury me, at least you know where you stood with this guy, you know? And at the bottom of all that, I put in action. I take the I out of the middle and I act on those demands 100% to the best of my ability on a daily basis. And I've been doing this for 41 years. That's a long time. It's longer than most people that are coming into recovery have been alive, you know? A lot of the people I'm dealing with these days, you know, are between 17 and 30. I've been clean longer than that. I've been drug free for 36 and a half years. And I've been in recovery for 41 years. The first five years, there were trials and tribulations. I made a lot of mistakes. I thought I had the answers. Today I've got one answer. I love recovery and please keep coming back. I love you guys. Thank you. I solemnly swear that I will tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God.